Welcome to Nonprofit Coffee Talks, a podcast for nonprofits to listen and learn from their peers. In this episode, Tammy Tilsey sits down with Julie Asel to discuss the definition and broader view of what it means to be a grant professional. Julie is the president and senior writer for Asel Grant Services. She has written awarded grants totaling more than $145 million since 2003. She also serves on the Grant Professionals Certification Board of Directors. And Julie's just a really prolific thinker in the nonprofit space. I'd encourage everyone listening to click the links in the episode notes to learn more about her and the Grant Professional Certification Institute. All right, let's join the conversation. Here's Tammy. Welcome, Julie. It's great to be here, Tammy. So we are really happy to have you here and talk to us about this movement within the grant community to no longer call grant writers grant writers and instead call them grant professionals. Can you speak to that? Sure. Well, the biggest reason is because the tasks and responsibilities of these individuals, frankly, are more than just writing grant proposals. There are so many skills that grant professionals bring to the organizations they serve beyond just writing, of course, persuasive proposals. There's actually an organization called the Grant Professional Certification Institute who brings grant professionals together from all across the United States, and they ask them what they do every day to determine what those skills are. And the Grant Professional Certification Institute then uses this information to create a list of competencies and skills for grant professionals. Now they use it, of course, to offer a multiple choice and writing exam so that grant professionals can earn a credential called the Grant Professional Certified, or GPC for short. This is the only nationally accredited grant credential and it's accredited by the National Commission for Certifying Agencies. Now, like all accredited organizations, they have a list of standards to which they must follow. And one of those is to do a job analysis regularly to continually make sure these competencies and skills reflect the current activities of grant professionals. But the reality is, is that all grant professionals across the United States um, can use these same competencies and skills to create and make sure that their job description, for example, is reflective of the things that they do in their job, not just writing proposals. And whether they choose to sit for the credential or not, they can go through and say, well, I don't know how to do this yet, or I know how to do that, or I want to learn more about this, or, you know, I think my job should be um, just these pieces while we have somebody else do the other pieces. The reality is, is these competencies and skills can be used in so many different ways, but ultimately they are a description of what is a grant professional. And it's way more than just writing. Oh, that is so interesting. I could see that being so helpful for employers, folks that are looking at getting into pursuing grant funding, having that list. So tell me more about the types of skills grant professionals have. Well, the skills are grouped into categories. Uh, The Grant Professional Certification Institute calls them competencies. There are nine of them. And while they have long descriptions, the reality is kind of shorthand, it's basically doing grant opportunity research, um, having and building relations with those funders, 
then helping the organization be um, developed in enough way that they're really ready to be able to apply for and manage their grants. But it's also things like program design, really making sure that the program is appropriate for grant funding. Then, of course, persuasive writing, which we've already talked about, but also the broader aspect of crafting and submitting grant applications. Then once you get the grant, then we're talking about things like grant management and overall things like ethics and professionalism. Grant professionals use these skills to support nonprofits across their organizations. And so I'm, and so what I would tell you is that grant professionals often aren't just working on grants. They may also be working on evaluation. They may also be working on needs assessments. They may be working on strategic planning. And for some grant professionals, those are opportunities for growth and leadership in their organizations. If their organizations, frankly, are wise enough to utilize all that grant professionals know about their organization because they've been writing about them for years and years, whether those are program grants or whether they're broader organizational strategic grants. The, all of those component pieces uh, we grant professionals write about, they manage grants about, and they help their organization be stronger so that they are... Um, they're, they help their organizations be stronger so that they're really ready and able to well-manage these grants and really be able to grow through the funding that they're receiving, whether that's government funding or foundation funding or whatever. So it's key to think about um, grant professionals as a strong advocate and um, supporter and resource within nonprofits. That's great. Uh, that is so beneficial and has so many benefits for the organization. Having that list of skills and competencies is a great roadmap also for everyone who's on their journey. Some people may be very experienced. Some people are just starting out. I've heard so many of our community members call themselves accidental grant writers. So I could see this being a helpful resource. Where can our listeners learn more about the competencies and skills that you mentioned? Well, the first one I would tell you is you can go to the Grant Professional Certification Institute website. That's www.grantcredential.org. Then under their eligibility header, the very first option is competencies tested. Now, listeners can also go to my website and download a free assessment to rate themselves on their knowledge experience, and comfort in each of these competencies and skills. These can be found under the professional development header and then the custom training option on our website, which is www.aselgrantservices.com. I designed this self-assessment so that grant professionals could decide for themselves if they were ready to take the GPC exam. I think of a person's being truly honest with themselves and scores themselves in the threes, fours, or fives on a, on a scale of zero to five, they're probably likely to be successful with the exam. But the reality is, is that anybody can do this, right? So as I said earlier, if you're just getting into this, you can go through and say, 
oh, here's where I want to start. Or if you're really experienced, but then you read these and you're like, hey, I don't know anything about this one. Um, That gives you the opportunity to focus your professional development. Now, personally, I like your um, idea of the roadmap, right? To really be able to use this as where do I go from here in my journey? And I would also say that For me, I kind of designed this originally. So I'm a former teacher and I designed this because I wanted to have that kind of roadmap, right? My professional development plan, which as a teacher, we frequently had to have. I also wanted to be able to make sure that once I got my GPC, that um, what else, where else did I need to grow? So there's three actual areas here. One is knowledge, which from an adult learning theory perspective, allows you to pass a test, right? I have the knowledge. Whether I've ever done the actual activity, I have the knowledge. And and for me, when I took my GPC exam, there were definitely things that I didn't actually have experience doing. And that's just something that makes a lot of grant professionals nervous about taking the exam. They're like, but I've never done this. But ultimately, it's really about, okay, Do you have the knowledge? It is still a multiple choice test. And then, of course, the writing portion, but it's a multiple choice test. Do you have the knowledge? Do you know what best practices are, whether you've ever had the opportunity to do them or not? So you have knowledge. And then the next level in adult learning theory is actually um, experience, right? So then we apply our knowledge to a particular situation. And over time, the more experience that you get, the more comfortable you are with doing an activity. So for example, I know a lot of grant professionals who get nervous about federal grants and they know the knowledge, many of them, but they haven't done it. Or if they have done it, they haven't done it very often. So they're just not comfortable with doing it. So I think that as you take a look at the self-assessment that we've provided and I've built, It's really designed to say, okay, do you have the knowledge? Now, where can you get the experience until ultimately you are comfortable? If you're going through and you're just, you know, quickly self-assessing yourself and saying, oh, well, I'm, I'm I'm a three all the way across, you're missing the actual point of the assessment. The point of the assessment is to say, where are you in each of these areas? Because unless chances are, if you're comfortable, your knowledge is much higher than a three, right? So uh, it gives you that opportunity to be able to say, truly, where am I? And, And even as somebody who's been in this field now for almost two decades, I go through it every single year and, and truly assess myself to say, where am I? And we don't just stop at threes, right? Fours and fives are actually about applying it in multiple situations and being able to teach it. It's about taking it to the next level. It's not just about saying, okay, can I do this for myself, but also can I give back to the community and how can I do that? Can I teach someone else if, if, if we expand our organization and we, we were able to get a new grant professional, can I teach someone else to do this even in a one-on-one situation? even if I'm not, you know, teaching to a large group of people. Do I understand it well enough to teach it to someone else? So 
that is a, it's one of the reasons I created the assessment, but it's also one of the reasons I think that self-assessment is, is more than what I originally even created it for, right? Which was this idea of, okay, do I know these things well enough to be able to pass the exam? Since it is based on the competencies and skills of the Grant Professional Certification Institute. I love, I love your self-assessment. And I know that we've done a webinar with you uh, a year or so ago, and I'll, I'll put both of those links that you mentioned uh, for the competencies and skills list, as well as the self-assessment in the show notes for people. And I'll also put a link to our the recording of our webinar because you went into that assessment and I love the multidimensionality of it, that you can use it for your own guiding uh, goalposts, if you will, to, to where you want to beef up your your skills and to to take you where you want to go. So thank you for sharing those. Now, as we're talking about this, I'm sensing you strongly believe in the GPC credential. Uh, Why is that? Well, as a former teacher where I needed to have a license to teach, the credential really resonates with me, right? It's very similar. It's a validation by an independent entity that you know actually what you're doing. Uh, If I have a license, it means that uh, a governmental body, which in this particular case is the state, says, yes, I know what I'm doing. Um, A credential is actually simply monitored by a non-governmental body. So can can grant professionals practice without a credential? Yes, uh, mostly because raising money for the nonprofit industry doesn't have the same kind of liability as other entities. So for example, places that are um, that need a license uh, typically have some high level of liability, like teaching, uh, legal work, social work, the healthcare industry. They're all government regulated. The reality is, though, at this time, that there isn't that same kind of liability with grants. And so it's able to be really um, um, monitored by a non governmental entity. Uh, But the reality is, is we have a lot in common with those industries, including our professionalism standards. Hmm. Professionalism standards. What what are you talking about when you mention that? Well, the most common skill under the professional competency of professionalism is that uh, that most people think about is professional development. Right. You know, Um, that idea that you have to be constantly learning, continuing education, all these different words that people use. And I've personally always found it funny that people say, oh yeah, I know everything there is to know about grants. I don't need to do any more professional development. I'm an advanced grant professional. Um, Wait a second. There are a lot of funders out there. How do you claim to know everything there is to know about grants? Government, corporate, foundation, and I apply to all three. So it's it's really funny to me um, because while I've written to a lot of government funders, I certainly haven't written to all of them yet. And while there is something to be said for once you've learned how to submit a federal grant, you probably know how to do most of them. I would also say that there are some agencies that are very unique. In addition, uh, funders do frequently change up what they're doing. For example, the Department of Justice just rolled out a new online portal 
that's causing a lot of grant professionals across the United States to learn some new things. As a former teacher, I'm a huge advocate of continuing education. And while I'm required to receive continuing education to maintain my credential from the Grant Professional Certification Institute, I also put in way more hours on education than they require. And I find this to be true for most grant professionals I know. Really, it's the people who, um, really, I think the people who struggle with putting in a lot of professional development aren't ones that, um, da, da, da. try that again. The people who I know that are struggling to get their education points for their renewing their credential, it's not because they don't want the education. They're limited by time, money, or both. Frankly, there's a lot of work that goes into being a grant professional, and some grant professionals really struggle with just having not having the time to do their professional development, to to do a webinar, to do to go to a conference. Even um, you know we've got a lot of virtual conferences happening right now, and the amount of people who are saying I can't do that, I've got a deadline, right? So they there there's such a pressure in our job. Um, with the constant deadline, that they feel like they can't take the time to personally grow, which honestly makes me sad, right? Because there is so much to learn um, as a grant professional and, and ways to continually growing. And, and the competencies and skills of the Grant Professional Certification Institute really are a, a, even just a starter place. Um, most advanced grants professionals I know are actually learning things from other industries as well. So um, there, there's always something I think that can be learned and, and brought to make us stronger in our roles of supporting our organizations. I love that. And then if you can show a clear path on I have these skills, I need these other skills, and that in turn will sharpen your saw, if you will, that, that'll help you build more of a case to spend the time or money or both to, to make room for that. I like that. Um, but back to professionalism, you said there's professional development. What are some other elements of this professionalism for grant? Yeah, it's interesting because most people do think about professional development. When they think of professionalism, they're like, oh yeah, that's, that's professional development. I've got that. Well, there's actually other elements to professionalism. And the second way that I would advocate, and, and so would GPCI, is the fact that um, it's about giving back to your profession. Maybe you give back in terms of time. Maybe you give back in terms of funding. But the reality is, is most of us kind of think about this in three ways, right? So maybe I'm giving back to the grant profession itself. Um, maybe I serve in a local grant professional association chapter. Um, I could do that in so many different ways, right? You can mentor other grant professionals. You can be an ambassador, for example, for the credential with other people who are interested in taking the exam. Maybe you're just a volunteer. You help out when somebody asks you. Or maybe you're a presenter, right? And you help other people in your chapter grow in a particular topic. Or maybe you're even taking a leadership role and serving on the board um, at that local, local chapter. Now, all of those things I just said for a chapter, 
you can move those things up and do them at the national level too. And not just with the Grant Professionals Association. Um, they, of course, have a national board, but so does the Grant Professional Certification Institute and the Grant Professional Foundation. And speaking of the Grant Professional Foundation, um, one of the other ways to give back to the profession is in actually giving funding. You can donate money to support scholarships for people to take the GPC exam or to participate in educational opportunities. As I said earlier, those who aren't participating in professional development are likely to be restricted primarily. One of those reasons is financial. So that's something to keep in mind. So maybe you don't have the time, but a way to give back might be to be financially give back to specifically the grant profession. Now, I believe that we should not just limit our view of professionalism as giving back to just the grant profession. And I think a lot of grant professionals feel the same way. So we see this more as um, maybe serving the broader fundraising community. Um, maybe we're serving with an organization like the Association of Fundraising Professionals, or maybe we're serving with the broader um, a nonprofit association in our community. We have, I know, some great ones in our community and, um, and there's actually a whole network of them across the United States. Now, a third way you could serve the broader nonprofit community could be things like just being a volunteer, go and serve in a food kitchen, work in um, your local food bank, uh, be a leader for the Girl Scouts, there's, there's so many different ways that as just individuals in society, we can give back to the hardworking nonprofit organizations that, in my opinion, make this country function. So, so that's a way, right? But another way is you could be a grant reviewer. You could be a grant reviewer on your local United Way for a local foundation for your state government, your, your federal government, there's so many different places that you could um, score, use your knowledge in, in a topic and in grants to score grants that other people are writing. You're an expert in that area. Um, you could be a board member on these nonprofits um, that I was talking about. In addition, um, you might even be willing to volunteer your services, like do pro pro bono work. Maybe there's an, an agency that you're uh, um, either affiliated with or you feel passionate about that you might be willing to provide some level of pro bono services. Maybe you write a, a, a grant for them, or maybe you provide them some free strategy advice, or maybe you provide them some free research. Um, those are all opportunities to give back to the broader nonprofit community. Now, I think that the third element of professionalism that very few people think about is actually social capital. And this is one that people do every time they write a grant with a community partner. So it's, it's kind of a no-brainer in my opinion. Interesting. Tell me more about that element. What does building social capital mean for grant professionals? You know, it's actually one that I think most people take a look at and they're like, what? I don't even know what that means, right? It's a super common question that we get. 
But it is, again, what I think we do every day. Grant professionals build social capital for their organizations and their communities by connecting people together, by bringing funding opportunities forth that can benefit the whole community. And then we often you know, ask other organizations to work with the ones we work for to solve major um, challenges in the community, right? So we might know that, okay, we see this funding source and our agency can't really tackle the whole thing itself, but we know there's a need in our community. So we use our social capital to reach out to maybe even another grant professional at another organization that we know through our professional association work. And we reach out to them and say, hey, your organization does this and our organization does that. Maybe we can work together and apply for this and really help the whole kind of set of challenges that a particular target population is addressing through this really great funding opportunity that I saw. Would you be interested? And every time we reach out, every time we talk to somebody new, whether that's a a new grant professional, a new program person, a new executive director, a new agency um, that, that we don't, haven't talked to before, that's building social capital. And I know quite a few grant professionals who um, they see a grant opportunity and it's not appropriate for their agency, but they send it off to a colleague friend at another agency who they know it's perfect for. You're literally building capital there, right? Because then they may apply for it and bring that to the, the community. When, we're, when we build the, the infrastructure, the social infrastructure in our communities, that's building social capital. I love that. That just sounds like it, it strengthens the overall community and, and purpose of all the work. Um, I love this idea. And I know funders often ask if you're partnering with other organizations and they love it too. Uh, but, but there really has to be a strong trusting relationship in place for people to share funding, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And in fact, I have a colleague of mine um, in our company. Her name's Julie Alsop, who teaches an absolutely great course that we offer called The Power of Partnerships. And she has this really great table that I just adore that talks about these different levels of partnership um, that really a lot of organizations like jumping. You don't jump into marriage with somebody you just met because there's not trust there. It's the same way with nonprofit organizations. Um, Do you really just jump into a a major federal grant relationship that in which you have to share, you know, funding sources and data and all of, you know, these different things? No, it, it's, it can be kind of a rocky, it could be a rocky marriage if you do that. (laughs) right? Because the trust hasn't been built yet. But grant professionals can facilitate that with their own ethical behavior, right? So most people think of ethics um, as a flashy headline, right? Um, But ethics actually run really deep in the grant field. In fact, while I've seen um, individual training sessions on ethics, I've never felt that like an, you could really get everything you need to know out of a single training session. Um, 
not deep enough nor broad enough because ethics are so important to the uh, grants field. And that's a, a really key way to build trust with these organizations, right? Uh, if, if I'm making ethical choices and my partner's making ethical choices, now we come together and we make ethical choices together. I've actually written a whole training series related to grants and ethics uh, because ethics have to be threaded into everything we do as grant professionals. So it's not just about managing the money on the back end. It's how we partner pe with people. It's how we treat them when we're doing program design. Are we just coming in and saying at the last minute, oh, hey, can you can you give me this letter of support? I don't know anything about your proposal. I don't know what your outcomes are. I don't know what your design is. Um, I'm not I'm not really comfortable with this. You know, if we had uh, stronger um trusting relationships, then the um, that ethical question within program design would be so much smoother, right? So if we start with those, um, hey, let's bring all the stakeholders together. Let's talk about this issue. Let's jointly identify funding sources. Let's decide who the best, strongest um applicant is, then we'll all work together and we've all got a piece of this pie. And, you know, the, the, our, the various grant professionals can then write the strong proposals. And then once we get them, it's kind of this snowball effect, right? So uh, ultimately, grant professionals handle other people's money, right? You have to have ethics when you're doing that. And we work within and with uh, organizations all across our communities who are trying to make society a better place. Ethical behavior affects public perception and relationships built on trust. So I'm not going to partner with the organization down the road if I've heard they've been doing something I'm not comfortable with um, in their program design or oh my gosh, I heard that they wrote this thing in their grant and they never did it, okay? Um, and they didn't even mean, like they just wrote that in there to get the money. They never even intended to do it. Well, that's not a uh, an ethical question of grant management. That's an ethical question of program design. So, uh, you know, all of these things, word gets around in the nonprofit community. They, they know what's going on um, and they know who's good, um, who are good partners and who they can trust is actually going to follow through and do the activities and collect the data and who is going to provide you information in your design that is solid. It's evidence-based, um, you know, all of these types of things. So I think that partnerships, ethics, trusting relationships, social capital, they all go together. Yes, yes, you're summarizing that. Just I was thinking about that too. The the skills of writing and then broader for the whole profession, all of those competencies you mentioned, because it's much more than that. And then how ethics uh, roll into it and and relationships with funders and and other partners. It's it's really much more complex and deserving of uh, being a grant professional. Now, you run a grant services firm, and I love that you have 
the training that you are that you offer back what you've learned through your experience and your background as an educator and adult learning theory. I, I love how you map that in to make this so uh, valuable to other people that just starting out or nonprofits who are looking to partner with people to help build their grant practice. So how does that connect with all of this talk about grant professionalism that we've been discussing today? Yeah, so I'm technically president and CEO of ASO Grant Services, and the grant professionals that I have on staff are definitely more than just grant proposal writers. And you can't see me, right? But there's my air quotes with just. I That, that word just drives me crazy. Um, we provide services for the full life cycle of grants, right? So uh, we we do it all. If it has something to do with grants, we're there. Um, it is one of the reasons I'm so passionate, though, about ethics in more than just, there's that just again, just grant management. Uh, we have nine GPCs currently on staff. We actually have two more taking the exam soon. So that number, who knows, might even change before um, the next time somebody listens to this. But we have um, a situation with our grant professionals where, um, like many in the grant profession, they have core subject ma matter expertise in addition to their grant expertise. So what does that mean? It means that their original degree is not in grants. In fact, you can't get a bachelor's degree in grants, right? My degree is in music education. Um, I have uh, my husband who's a GPC in our company. He has his a degree in electrical and computer engineering. We have people who have degrees in art history, in journalism, in psychology. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, right? But the uh, I'm a firm believer that you don't have to work full-time writing or managing grants to be a grant professional, right? I think there's a lot of unacknowledged grant professionals out there who are writing grants for their programs and then implementing them as well. Um, one of our uh, mutual colleagues in New York, uh, she's an amazing grant professional. She has all kinds of letters behind her name. She's in the healthcare industry. And she you know, got the GPC for herself as a recognition of that that's one component of what she does in her job. She writes the grants and then she implements them in her healthcare field, right? So I think there's a, a lot of um, unacknowledged and, and people think of themselves as an accidental grant professional. And I don't think of it that way. I think of it as an unacknowledged grant professional. They're there, right? And, and they kind of maybe fell into it, right? Um, because somebody said, oh, hey, we need this. Can you write it? You're an expert in this area. And they kind of figure out, oh, wait, I'm, uh, uh, let me, let me read these, uh, requests for proposals and, and figure this out as I go. Um, but ultimately as they go, as they get that knowledge, as they get that experience and they become more comfortable. Now you're talking about a grant professional, right? They're doing this every day. 
And um, they're not getting the recognition they deserve for all the hard work they're doing. Um, I see this a lot in human service organizations. They don't have a grant, official grant professional on staff. Um, they just, they're just getting it done, right? Um, I see it in university faculty all the time. They're like, hey, you want, you want research? You want to do research? Go write a grant for that. You know, I, uh, I talked with a colleague um, gosh, how long has it been now? I think last August I was talking with him and he was actually in this, I think the social work field and was, a uh, he, he taught students and he was already teaching his students about the idea that they may have to write grants, um, to support the work that they do. And he said, you know, I really need to get the GPC. And I said, you know, talk to me about that. He goes, um, I write grants to support my work in the community that I do as a social worker. I also write grants to support the research that I do as a faculty member. And when I then go to another agency, another or another university, that GPC helps me stand out to say, I actually know how to write these grants. I really know what I'm doing. And it's above and beyond my record of what I've gotten. Um, so I think that that's, that's a component of it. Um, healthcare agencies, I've already, I've already mentioned by my colleague in New York who is in the same situation. Right. Um, and I think they're, they, uh, they're in situations where somebody says, oh, Hey, we need this done, go do it. And so you do it. And I, I have to wonder instead of it being part of someone's job descriptions, um, whether it's really part of that other duties as assigned, <laughs> <laughs> kind of catch-all thing at the end. Yeah. Um, now, at ASIL Grant Services, our staff use their subject matter expertise and their grant expertise together to serve nonprofits, institutions of higher education, school districts, health systems, behavioral health centers, you name it, right? Our expertise makes us able to tackle a lot of projects others feel maybe are too difficult or they're not comfortable with, right? We write a lot for different federal agencies, for example, Sometimes we're brought in to write one grant, and in that case, it's often a federal grant, um, while other times we're brought in to uh, pick up a calendar and run with it uh, because their grant professional either left, like to go to another agency, or maybe they needed to take family leave. Um, and we've seen that even in the current situation, right? So our portfolio includes clients for whom We've been writing and managing their entire grant portfolio for nearly 10 years now. So there's a, a, a wide basis of what we do. Um, so I absolutely see my staff as professionals, but our staff also participate in a lot of professional developments, as we've talked about, that professionalism aspect. We provide that training too. Currently, uh, three of our staff are approved trainers through the Grant Professionals Association, um, with two more putting actually in their applications in the next two months. And all of our trainings are approved for education points through the Grant Professional Certification Institute's Accepted Education Program. And if you're looking for professional development, that's a great way to find it, right? If you go out again to the grantcredential.org, and check out their accepted education program, 
that's a great place to see where is there training that has been aligned to the competencies and skills that I can find an opportunity um, to grow in a particular area that the self-assessment that I've done has said, oh, hey, I'm, I'm not really, I, I don't have any knowledge in this, or I'm not really comfortable in this. I would like more information. Okay, great. Go out to grantcredential.org, check out the accepted uh, education providers out there and see what kind of trainings they offer that are aligned to the competencies and skills. Now, I believe uh, another area, another area where I feel strongly is I believe that um, all the individuals ethically researching funding sources, helping their organizations be ready to manage grant dollars, designing high quality programs, writing grant applications, and managing grants after they're awarded are all professionals. For our staff, it isn't just a job for them. It's our passion to serve our communities and society in this way. I would even call it a vocation. In addition, we believe strongly in supporting the profession. Our staff sit on local GPA chapter boards, present at and coordinate programs and regional conferences. We have read a scholarship application or two along the way, and we serve on national boards too. Personally, I've served two terms as my local GPA chapter president. I've served one year as vice president. I've coordinated and co-coordinated two regional conferences. I served for five and a half years so far on the National Grant Professional Certification Institute board, including two years as president. And I've presented at local, regional, and national conferences all about grants. So I truly believe that um, what our company offers is really the broader professional grant services. That's great. I And I love that you, you presented all of that of how nonprofit organizations who are just getting started, you know, may only do one project or they may outsource everything or they may bring in a grant professional. What we've talked about today I think is very helpful for organizations to understand what 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 is required to do the job, do the job well, and and understand that it's a professional position. And then to all of the individuals out there, you know, on their road, you know, looking at the roadmap, what do they what are they most interested in? Uh, and I've just enjoyed speaking with you. I could totally feel your passion about all of this in the grants profession. And thank you so much for sharing it. I have one last question that I know you're not prepared for. I just thought of it. <laughs> Can you t share with our listeners of all the competencies and skills or of everything that you do in a given month, what is your favorite activity? What, what do you have a smile on your face when you're doing, whether it's just part of a grant or, or training, what, whatever, uh, just what do you enjoy the most? Oh, so, you know, you threw training in there at the end. So, <laughs> um, which is, is not actually a competency or skill per se. I mean, I consider it part of giving back. So, uh, one, I always love to train. Uh, of, of any kind. I, I love training um, uh, of all kinds. But as I take a look at the actual competencies and skills 
Um, there is uh, the competency four, which is the knowledge of how to craft, construct, and submit an effective grant application. I have a, a bit of a joke with my own staff about um, if I could just sit down and write a federal grant every day, that is like the best day for me. I love taking big, complex, multi-partner, multi-budgets from all these different agencies. I love taking all of these things together and making them make sense. And and I love to do that through a logic model. So um, I, a lot of people are like, what? Logic <laughs> model is your favorite thing? Um, but in in many regards, it is because you're you're really taking this this really complex thing and you know, poking holes at it <laughs> you know, and say, oh, wait a second. No, 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 that doesn't make sense. And I don't just use a logic model as an attachment, right? I use a logic model as a planning tool. So when I get all these different partners together um, or all these moving parts, even within an agency, um, I, I, I'm able to line up all those activities and I'm able to line up, okay, what are we gonna measure? And, uh, wait a second here, these things don't all line up and and really motivate people to develop stronger applications in that process. And ultimately what I'm talking about, you know, starts moving around all these different uh, competencies and skills. But, you know, if you, if you take a look at competency four, there's uh, one about making sure that you are um, doing really strong project management skills. So it's 4.3. Um, I like project management. I like taking this, Hey, you've only got four to six weeks, make all of this stuff, you know, be submitted on time. It's the magic of federal grants. Um, so I have that component that I like, but then I also, as I said, love the logic models, which is, uh, 3.4 structures, values, and applications of logic models as they relate to, program design or project design. It's not just an attachment. Um, and I'm certain that people could go out to our website and find trainings, multiple <laughs> trainings about logic models um, because I feel so passionately about them. So uh, what a great question. I think that ev- I think all of your podcasts, Tammy, should ask someone at the end, what's your favorite competency and skill? That's a great question. I might do that. Oh, I, thank you so much, Julie. I love the logic models too because not not writing them, but I, as you said, it's it's such a great summary of how everything's connected to the metrics. I love seeing the the metrics and the outcomes and and how they line up with what the project is. So, thank you again so much for sharing your passion and all of this information on why grant writers aren't just grant writers; they're grant professionals makes sense. So we appreciate your time and and sharing all your knowledge and we wish you great success in helping all of the nonprofit leaders and organizations you and your organization works with. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tammy. So that was our conversation. A big thank you to Julie for coming on the podcast. To learn more about the Grant Professionals Institute, visit their website, grantcredential.org or attend one of their events. These links, as well as all other links to connect with Julie, can be found in the episode notes. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating, and follow us on social media at Foundant Technologies.
So from all of us here at Foundant, thanks for listening, and we can't wait to connect with you again on our next Coffee Talk.